Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another voyage here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and I'm joined once again by um, a bunch of blue shirts. That's right. We're all wearing blue today. I'm talking about um, the intrepid Royal Blue, Lieutenant Commander David, and uh, the... Well, actually, I think I have it backwards, but eh, we'll, we'll call it good enough. Um, the the amazing Navy Blue, Lieutenant Commander Eric. How are you gents doing? I, I I totally have it backwards, but it's fine. It's all about the details with you, Chase. I appreciate yeah. that about you. I, I'm, I'm the David, David's shirt is definitely darker than mine. <laughs> David is definitely a Navy Blue, and Eric is maybe a Royal Blue. I don't know. Maybe I am. I don't know. We're all, we're all wearing blue today, which we... Um, you know, we have our, our own group text or whatever, but this was not part of the group text that y'all know of. <laughs> oh, but, but I almost kind of feel like it was because not only are we all wearing blue, the two of you are wearing the exact same shirt, just in a slightly different color. <laughs> you, again, left me. You got, you've, I believe that you two have your own side text thread that you like exclude me from. I mean, Eric, don't be jealous. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, it's okay. I'm, I am used to being excluded from things in my life. It's just see, the, no, it's see, the here, natural reaction for me. Here, here's how it goes, okay? So what I do is I put out a tweet <laughs> just to chase in the DMs and say, hey, man, blue these are the Voyager shirt, right? And because you just, you know, you get crapped on so much on Twitter, you just you just can't take it. That's a secret communication path, you know? Well, I mean, if you keep putting that Twitter thingy, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> oh. Do your Twittering. <laughs> your Twittering? Do your Twittering. Oh, good grief. Good grief. Yeah, but David, thank you so much for the DM. That way I knew what to wear today. I appreciate it, bud. That was great. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> well, another week, another adventure here in the cosmos. Uh, what have you all been up to um, besides, you know, maybe car duty, uh, parking lot duty, pickup duty with Lieutenant Commander Eric? It, it gets worse every day. Right, because I'm just like I hate this job. I hate this. No one told me I was gonna have to do this. It's terrible. Did no one tell you life was gonna be this way? <sighs> oh no! Oh, but no. is my job a joke? <laughs> wow. Okay. Are we are we about to get like doxxed or something, or like fined for even referencing that? certain 90s sitcom theme song? I mean, I think we can reference it as long as we don't play it. It's fair It's fair use. Okay. I'm not the original recording artist for that. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I hate that show. I don't think it's very funny. Uh, yeah, I, know. I never really got that or Seinfeld. Yeah. And I, I just I don't never think, really... I, and I definitely don't think Friends holds up today. I think if you watch it now, it's like... Like, it doesn't hold up. Wow. Wow. Eric, okay. Oh, that was where shots fired. The I'm sure there are people who listen that are a fan of Friends, and they just, like, turn this off, and I'm sorry. Well, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric, for, uh, for ruining it for everyone so far. Yeah, well, I'm used to it. 
No. Um, so here's the thing. Like my wife loves friends. Okay. And so many people I know love friends. And I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, Jennifer Aniston's easy on the eyes as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, that's, that's a redeeming quality of the show that and the whole pivot kind of thing. Um, but you know, here's the thing. Like I never, ever thought the office was funny. And before anyone else shoots, like has any more shots fired about the office, I just stayed way, the way, 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 way far away from, from the office. Like, I think I, I watched like maybe a minute or two of it. I'm like, this is not funny at all. And like my wife, um, like some of my family and like some of the people in my cohort, um, are all like, dude, you need to watch it. Much like people are also like, Jace, you need to watch deep space nine. I'm like, all right, if I'm going to watch deep space nine, I might as well give, um, freaking, um, the office a shot. And you know what? I ended up enjoying the office. I'm still waiting to see if I'm going to have like a similar experience with friends just because like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And, and I think so many of the, the jokes and the situations you look back and you're like, if they only had a cell phone, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's all of like yeah. older, older, um, older, I say older, but like even things from the nineties. Right. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for all the fr- people that do enjoy friends, um, like what's the deal with James Corden? Okay. Like, w- like seriously, like he is like showing up everywhere. I mean, everywhere, like with, with the things like he was in cats, like the movie, which apparently did not do so well. He's got his own teeth. Did you see that? No, I refuse to. A movie about people dressed up as cats. How could that possibly fail? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, isn't it the most successful stage musical of all time? Is it? I thought. I mean, you you can you can do a lot more in a musical than you can do in a movie, though. Yeah. I've always thought like like Phantom or Les Mis or even Hamilton, like, was astronomically more successful than Cats. Well, I just don't think Hamilton's been around long enough to have, like, as many performances. Maybe, yeah. Um, anyways, where was I going? I mean, it was, like, James Corden. So they did, like, the whole Friends reunion thing on, um, uh, was it HBO Max, I think. And I'm just like, is there anything that you're not on? I mean, especially, like, okay, if you're a Doctor Who fan, like, you know he, he shows up in the 11th Doctor era as like one of his like roommates of like the doctor's roommates. I didn't didn't really mind him in in Doctor Who, but he's just one of those guys who's around kind of like Jimmy Fallon. Like Jimmy Fallon's not really funny. He's just the guy who laughed at everybody who was much more funnier than he was and then just happened to get on late night. Just like you see that, I I don't know. James Corden just, I, I, Aside from the stint on the on Doctor Who, which I, I that was the only time where I really cared for it for some reason, like the what what is the karaoke thing, the carpool Carp- karaoke? Yeah. So you you're just doing Seinfeld's thing, but with singing. Good for you. Yeah, with- and he was in the the Into the Woods movie from like ten years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
He played the baker, I believe. Yeah, and I didn't mind that movie, actually. It had a pretty good cast. But I'm also, like, I feel kind of spoiled um, just because, like, required viewing um, in, like, I think it was, like, Drama 1 or Drama 2 in high school was Into the Woods. And we watched um, one of the stage productions of it, and I can't remember who was in it. Um, it wasn't Bernadette Peters. But it, it was, like, anyways, it was, like, um, one of the older, like, an older actress type of thing. Now, like, now considered an older actress that was in it and um, like that's the standard by which like I was like testing Into the Woods with. Yeah, what? my introduction to Into the Woods, uh, when I first moved to Missouri, they, uh, they, the college, like with the college students, the drama department, they put on a production of Into the Woods and that first year I was there, I went and I watched it and I thought it was pretty good for like a student play. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. How about you, David? Any any stage productions that that you fawn over? Oh yeah, all the time. I knew it. I knew <clears throat> no, it. I have absolutely zero zero knowledge. I mean, like I've seen plays, I've seen you know stage performance and stuff, but no, never into it for myself. I never had aspirations. Like, man, I just I want to be an actor. I just want to <laughs> act. But I do find like really good stage performance to be very good. But there again, I also appreciate orchestral music. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate a full orchestra and so forth like that. If you're good at your craft, you're good at your craft. If you're an unfunny late night host, I don't, I don't, I don't need you. I don't need you around. Okay. <laughs> so there are other comedians. So one of my bucket list items, not related to comedy, but one of my bucket list items is before I die. I want to be in a production of Othello, and I think I've mentioned this maybe to Eric one time, but I really want to be in Othello at least once and play um, Iago. I just I want to be Iago at least one time. Well, I mean, Iago has the most lines of any non-title character in Shakespeare's canon, so you're shooting big there. Darn right I am. I just think he's a fascinating... like. If you, I thought you if, were gonna say like I just want to be like Rodrigo. That's like my dream role. <laughs> that or like a tree. You, you want to be a stage tree or something like that. Oh man, I mean, make me like make me small. Make me a tree in like the Tempest or Midsummer, and we'll call it good. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean you, you've got to have like a community theater around you, right? I mean you know you just you just go. Yeah. Just go do it. There's there, so there's um. It's like a called a popcorn theater. It's like this little tiny little really itty bitty little thing and they do like a bunch of indie plays. Like they don't do like Shakespeare stuff. But um they do like there's like a few like Shakespeare in the park type um companies or whatever. And anyway, like they're mainly like in Dallas and like the big metropolitan kind of areas. There there is a performance of As You Like It uh, being put on right now like started la open last week and it's playing for three weeks at the san antonio botanical gardens nice yeah if only if only houston and san antonio weren't like three to four hours away and we might try and swing that they're very far apart just a wee bit it's like the same as driving from um like where you are to my house eric as it is for me to drive to Houston. Like it's it's all like 
virtually equidistant. Yeah. Look at that, using a math it's a, term. It, look, the Texas Triangle. It's an equilateral triangle, right? Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, four hours on each side. <laughs> oh, good grief. Good grief. So, well, um, David, what have you been up to this week, man? Did you, by the way, did you, uh, were you able to get your uh, promotion package businessy thingy submitted? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That was all submitted. We'll, we'll see. Everything's a little bit bogged now, bogged down now. It's just audit season. So it's very fascinating stuff that nobody talks about. So yeah. Love it. Behind the scenes, banking things, <laughs> only mm. banking things. So no, yeah, week's, week's been okay. Nothing, nothing really too crazy going on. Uh, just staying, staying active and all that good sort of jazz. Nice. Okay. So I know, I know we kind of joked about it, Eric, but seriously, how has your week been? Uh, no, since my, we last week's, met? my week's been fine. Um, you know, progress reports went out this week. So I had a lot of students that got kicked in the butt and were like, <laughs> now they're like, wait, what have I missed? Can I make up any of the work? <laughs> so it's been one of those types of weeks. Man. Do you have any extra credit? <laughs> <laughs> Here's some extra credit. Show up to class on time. Do your homework. How about that? Yeah, just do your homework. There's your extra. I had a, I had a teacher uh, in, in high school. He did... Um, I think, he, I think it was algebra or something. Anyway, it was, it was math. You know, things that you don't use anymore. Um, but anyway, his idea of grading was everything depended on turning in homework. Tests actually were a very small portion of your grade. So he emphasized homework because it was like learning and, you know, showing all your work and blah, blah, blah. Homework could be like 300 to 400 points. They were huge because every little piece of an equation had a point value to it. The fun thing is, if you didn't do your homework, you got negative 300 points. Ooh. And then he had, th he had three forms that you could use one, one, or e one time each throughout the year. If you forgot your homework once, you took a form. And it was like, I promise to do my homework, and if I bring this in tomorrow, I will get credit for it. Okay, cool. If you didn't do it again, you had another form. It's like, I promise to do my homework. If I turn this in tomorrow, I get zero points. So you didn't get a negative score, but you got zero points. The third time was, I have now failed to turn in my homework, but I'll turn this in, but I'll get negative points. <laughs> so it was just kind of like one of those things. From here on out, I understand that if I don't turn anything, I will get in negative points the entire time. So you could really tank yourself, but as long as you did your homework, you were good. That was one of those classes where a lot of people, to bring it back around, a lot of people were like, wow. hey, um, by mid-year, hey, uh, you got any like extra credit assignments so I can like try and get rid of some of these negative points? <laughs> no. But like, and like, he didn't ever have any. Our homework, we have a homework assignment every day. It's somewhere in the range of 10 to 15 problems. But I pick one assignment a week to grade for like correctness. And all the rest are just graded on completion. Did you do it? Did, it doesn't matter if you got a single problem right. If you just did them all, you'll get the full credit. Because otherwise I'd just be drowning in grading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that's that's the thing that kind of like drives me nuts. Like I like it, but I, I'm in a love-hate relationship but like with like the participation points like with your homework and stuff. 
like we like I think I was telling y'all before you know like I'm in the throes of like um, assessing like clinical skills right now like with these like clinical tapes that my students are doing and they can do everything wrong um, like clinically speaking but as long as they've turned it in and, and stuff they get the point like it's only worth one point but there are three times during the semester where I mean they're still getting the point but if they don't like hit a certain threshold then they're in trouble because they have to hit a certain point threshold within this form in order for them to move on to from um, what's called uh, counseling practicum to counseling internship for next semester so yeah I'm in this love-hate relationship because like we're really not great I mean we're grading them but we're not grading them type of thing but it's fine well which is kind of interesting for me I guess because like I never I never thought of teaching as any sort of thing that I would ever want to go down on because I just don't want to deal with children basically or teenagers or even adults at that point trying to teach them stuff but you know we, we've always we, we had we had those decades where we harped on like oh America's always behind in sciences and maths and all this good sort of stuff and then it just seems like we're kind of in a weird place right now where we're not really grading things very hard. And again, that's just outside looking in. But uh, yeah, I, I find that kind of interesting. Well, I'll tell you, in 10 years of experience being a teacher, the thing that I hate the most is grading homework. <laughs> like, I, I might have, like, maybe here in, like, four, five, six weeks, I'll have a new least favorite thing like parent teacher conferences <laughs> maybe <laughs> but i haven't had any of those yet because i've been teaching college so that might like jump up to the number one spot but for now in 10 years grading homework is the worst i swore you were gonna say car duty yeah <laughs> it's, your, it's your new least favorite thing <laughs> uh, not yet not yet these are not the cars you're looking for. Because car duty is just, uh, it's like, it doesn't take any mental thought because it's so mechanical. Right? You're just out there, you're just going, doing the motions. But like homework, grading it requires thought. Yeah. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. So, y'all are going to love this. So, um, this week I, got, I had a brand new um, client with work and... Um, um, anyways, like we, we, we had a good time, like getting to know each other and stuff. And then the next day, um, I had one of my other clients and they were coming to see me for, you know, they came to counseling for like a certain issue or whatever. And, um, I go through, uh, I use like a certain like technique, certain theory to kind of like approach it and to, like conceptualize it with them. And part of it is like personifying the problem. Um, so instead of like it being like this internal thing, it's like an external thing, it, like in terms of like getting them to think of it that way. And part of what it was uh, resulted in me like having to um, think of something that I really didn't want to do based on our last, our conversation from last week. Um, but I, we ended up in session listening to Blue Skies. <laughs> in session, we were listening to Blue Skies. 
<sighs> can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. No, 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 I cannot, apparently. So uh, I asked, like, do you like, you know, do you want to listen to Ella Fitzgerald? Do you want to listen to Frank Sinatra? Is there someone else you want to listen to? Because there's a bunch of covers of this song right now. Fortunately, we listened to Old Blue Eyes, not Old Yellow Eyes. Um, so that made it a little bit more bearable. But, um, oh, I didn't think I'd be actually listening to Blue Skies in session. So it was kind of crazy. <laughs> we ended up talking about the lyrics and how it like relates to the thing that we were talking about. So that, w- that was de- definitely interesting. That was interesting. But apart from that... Um, I went to um, the uh, the bookstore uh, recently, and I found like some some books um, that I'm gonna like check out. Uh, one of which was um, it's an older book. Uh, it's called Star Trek Prime Directive uh, by Judith and Garfield uh, Reeve Stevens, who are the same ones that co-authored the three Shatnerverse books. So. Um, Anyways, there's a bunch of different like alternative covers and stuff to it. There is no audiobook, so this is going to be one of those old-fashioned like use your eyes and your fingers to read it type of thing. So um, be be checking that out probably on the road trip, um, maybe next week whenever I'm not driving. And I also came I also came upon this, and it's uh, very informational in terms of like history, infographics, and stuff like that. It's called Star Trek The Klingon Empire. And it gives you a bunch of different information about, like, eras and uh, people, locations, and just a bunch of different stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, that sounds pretty similar to this book right here. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, called, it's called Star Trek the, Fer- the Federation, like, the first 150 years. And it's like, I don't know, it's written as like a history book. And there's like in-text citations and then there's like references listed in the back. And some of the references are from like the diary of Amanda Grayson and like, the, like you know, the diary of Jonathan Archer. And it's kind of it's kind of cool. It, it's written like an actual history book. I don't know if this book that you're looking at is similar or not. Um, I have I haven't t- I haven't taken a deep enough dive yet to really make sense of it. I mean, it's gosh, how long is this thing? I mean, there's like different tabs and where are the page numbers? There's at least a uh, like right right about 160 pages. So I mean, and it's tiny, mm, average to tiny print. So there's I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. So uh, if we ever, you know, when we get back to like regular non-show content um i think this will probably be a good book to to what like to look next year yeah sometime in like the summer (laughs) (laughs) but um like eric was saying like in tech citations there was this other star something book that i picked up too that i'm sure david probably has somewhere um that's pretty interesting um for anyone that is not offended by the other star something this is um, Star Wars The Jedi Path um, that I found, and I've been wanting to get this for a little while, just um, uh, to check it out, and uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff in here, and there's, like, it's written as if there's, like, um, like this is someone's old textbook, basically. There's, like, writing and print in the margins and stuff like that, 
So um, it didn't get hit by the Yoda lightning bolt and, and burned up? Apparently not. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, there's like certain sections where it's um, been redacted, which is kind of kind of crazy. That's oh, an interesting little thing to do. Yeah. Redacting a book or whatever. <laughs> so, um, anyway... So like that's that's that and um I know we've been gosh we've been like jibber jabbering about like how our week's been for a little while now but dude I ran a 5k today like the day that we're recording and I my my legs are tired <laughs> but it was Good fun. Thing we can sit down in comfy chairs. Yes. My chair's comfy. I hope yours are. Mine's definitely comfy. I don't know about David's. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, the Couch to 5K app that I'm using to train, like, it has you, like, do, like, so many, like, segments of, like, running and walking and stuff like that. And I opened it up today. I was like, oh, shoot, this ain't good. And there were no walking segments at all. And I'm like on week, it was week five, day three. It was all jogging. So it was like a five-minute warm-up, 20 minutes of jogging, and then a five-minute cool down. I'm like... Oh, this is going to be great. So, <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. Um, so, I did that. And, anyways, ended up doing like 2.25 miles. And then I just ended up walking the final 0.8 something, 0.85, whatever it was. So, got her done. Got her done. So, nice. Enough of our jibber jabber. Enough of Jensen at the lodge meeting. Let's, uh, let's get after it, y'all. So, um, for anyone that is um, somehow put up with us for this long of, of today's episode, we're actually going to t- start talking about the episode now. Um, just a warning if this is your first time, this is not spoiler free. I'm about to spoil some stuff on um, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode, can you believe it? 6, The Spy Humongous, or The Spy Humongous, however you want to pronounce it. He- okay, so. Have either of you seen any of the Mad Max movies? I've seen Thunderdome. That's about it. Just Thunderdome? Yeah, I haven't seen Fury Road or anything. David, have you seen them? Yeah, I I saw the old ones, not the newer ones. So, like, Mad Max 2, otherwise known as the Road Warrior, the main bad guy is called Lord Humongous. Yeah. And And, um... He's got, like, if you ever watch any of those shows, like Game of Thrones does it, but any show where there's, like, a king or a ruler and somebody comes out and uh, introduces them and, like, says all their titles. Like, I think they even did this in Discovery with Emperor Giorgio. You know, mm-hmm. they just have, like, the long list of titles. And I just, Mad Max 2 does this where he, like, this Lord Humongous, like, the bandit Lord of the Wasteland has like a guy come out and list all of his titles. He's like, King of the Wasteland, the maker of chains, first of his name, Lord Humongous. <laughs> and every time I just hear the word humongous, I have to think about that scene because it always just makes me smile. Dude, like speaking of like royal names, like with Daenerys on Game of Thrones, like like hers just got like progressively longer and longer and longer. And it got to the point where like, I'm just going to use the bathroom. I'll be back and it'll <laughs> finally be done. I mean, it was ridiculous. 
please tell me I wasn't alone on that. No, it was it was quite a bit. <laughs> Guys just hating on long names. I mean, come on. You gotta you gotta have your titles. It's, you know, it's like a banner behind you, you know, just streaming around, making you seem really important. You don't wanna be the breaker of trains chain I I said trains, I meant chains. <laughs> I mean you can break trains too if you want. The breaker of chains and you know the mother of dragons and father father of dragons the I guess in our case or whatever you know yeah the, you're you're unburned unburned unbroken unwieldy Kalisi of the great grass sea yeah <laughs> yeah something yeah grass yeah sure oh goodness all right yeah Sarah husband David. to a murdered wife wife to a murdered son I don't know you know whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think as homework for this, we should all come up with, with our elongated names next, for next week. It'll Let's be do fun. it. It'll be like a little exercise. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. That's your homework. Don't forget it, okay? If you forget, just listen to this episode and just remember you're supposed to do that. So um, next week's episode will be ridiculously long since we're going to be going through that ad nauseum uh, during our Jensen yeah. at the Lodge meeting portion. Maybe in April we'll do that. Next April. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, good anyway, grief. The spy humongous, right? The spy humongous. Oh, man. Okay. So, would you say that there's like, is there a C plot in this, or is it just, is it still just an A and a B? Because I know last week we kind of had A, B, and C. I mean, I think there's three things going on here definitely and it's a lot to cram into 24 minutes that's true that's true so um i I would think like all of the packlet stuff i would just call the b plot probably uh the anomaly cleanup i would call the a plot and the stuff with boimler the stuff with boimler is a different plot but I hesitate to call it the C plot. Yeah, sort of an intersectional plot of plot A, but but then yeah. you also sort of have like the the packlet on the ship and the packlet on the planet. So technically, those are sort of yeah. But I think that's all. I would consider that all one thing together. Yeah, I think I, w- I would consider the. Um, I don't know. We might differ on this. That's okay. But like maybe the the. Um, the anomaly cleanup would probably be like your A, Boimler would be like your A and a half B, and then Packlet would be C. Maybe. So that's fair. Even though the title comes from the Packlet. Right, okay. right, and, th- and that was like the same point that we made last week with the Dupler episode. I think we've made that a couple of times because like we'll always have Tom Paris. That was not the main plot of that episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, let's. Um, let, I guess let's go. Um, maybe we'll, we'll jump let's around. See. Okay, I just want to start at the very start. I really love the way the all these episodes lately are starting. They all start with such great promise, and you know how they've all started recently. Captain's log. Captain's log. Stardate. Whatever. 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 We're on a mission to here to do this. Like. Thank you for at least starting the episode in a nice way. Whether we finish in a good way is another thing, but thank you at least for starting us with a captain's log 
Stardate whatever, we're on a mission here to make me at least feel like I'm watching something Star Trek. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I would agree too. And I, I knew that like once we had like another, um, whatchamacallit, um, another captain's log, that Eric was going to like be singing its praises on this episode. It's it's very simple to do, but it makes a difference. It's just like Discovery, for some reason, just does not want to do a captain's log. I mean, they'll have Michael Burnham voiceover personal logs, but why? maybe they'll transition that into captain's logs this upcoming season. But, I mean, did Saru ever do a captain's log? You know... I mean, the fact that we are both all here like, wait, did he? No, like, I think that's a problem. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe in the last season. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Well, good talk. Now, Culber did like, like some kind of like personal log, medical log, but that was about it. Hmm. Discovery's just it's just different. It's a so different wait, wait. show, guys. Eric. Eric, on a on a scale of Star Trek, how Star Trek is lower decks right now? Well, the opening ten seconds is a ten. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I give the opening ten seconds ten Star Treks out of ten. Um <laughs> Uh, where we go after that is another story. <laughs> okay, so um, we got we have like our first um, like Easter egg Star Trek reference that like kind of pops up within like what ten seconds of the episode starting um, with them thinking that Captain Freeman is uh, Captain Janeway. Little name drop. I mean. Would the Packlets know who Captain Janeway is? I was thinking the same thing, dude. Yeah, yeah, that was my question. I mean, if this is only a year after Voyager got back, would the Packlets really know about her? Right. Maybe they got a bunch of promotional shampoo bottles delivered yeah. to their planet. Yeah. That's how they know. <laughs> yeah. Merch, man. Were there any Janeway bubble bath things? <sighs> That's... So, so this is this is the only way I, I'm gonna do some like gymnastics to get to the pack leads knowing who Janeway is, and this is it. Okay, so we see on, we see on Deep Space Nine some pack leads walking around on the promenade from time to time. Okay, they have shown up at least once or twice. Now, caretaker, I don't know if there were any pack leads on the promenade or at Quarks or whatever. Or, or anything like that, but I'm just saying, maybe there was, and maybe that's how they know who Janeway is. I mean, I was thinking, like, maybe when they were like, we want to take your parts and make them part of our parts, maybe they captured a Federation ship and were able to access its computer. I don't know if all of, like the Voyager crew logs and mission logs were in just every ship's computer, but I mean, Boimler knows about them. How else would he know about them? 
Hmm. That was the only way I thought they might know who Janeway is. Yeah. So can, I, I, want, I want to talk about the pack lids for just, just a second, okay? So I know that when we, we first meet them in Next Gen, like they, they come off as like really dumb and slow and whatever, okay? Just annoying is like how they like present themselves, but they're very, very... Um, I'm going to probably give them some credit. They're very intelligent in terms of like how they do their ruse to get other people to power them up, basically. Despite what happens at the end of that episode. Am I the... I might be alone on this, guys, but like... Do y'all think they're just kind of overdoing like the whole stupid pack-led thing? Well, I, I think you have to have the differentiation between clever and intelligent. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with be, that. I think you can be clever without being intelligent. I, I don't necessarily find them intelligent. I find them clever. I mean, you could have, I mean, how, 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 many, how much in the way of brains do we think a spider has? You, you know what I mean? And, and just in general reference, the animal kingdom, but like spiders create, you know, these crazy webs and there are different spiders do different things. And like, uh, uh, I can't remember that one that does like a little dance and everything, you know, as like a warning. It's like, clever animal right but do i consider it intelligent probably not at this current point in our evolution i don't think that the packlids are overly intelligent i just think that they're they're a little bit more clever a little bit more devious than than somebody else but but yes they are playing up the dumb in this episode a lot which i think is what the whole janeway thing was not just to have a reference but also just to oh god they're dumb with their big hats and their uh spy missions and stuff you know well like is anybody getting sick of the packlids? Because I was I, sick of the packlids as soon as I saw them. I know, but like, okay, so when they showed up at the end of last season, I was like, okay, that's really neat. We're going back and we're seeing this race that we've only ever encountered once, and you know they're not who we thought they were anymore. Like, they are who we thought they were, but no, they weren't. <laughs> and so that, but like this whole season, like I feel like every episode we've mentioned the packlids in some way, and. We keep bringing up, hey, we were involved in that whole pack-led thing the whole time. Like, I mean, why are we, why are we keep going back to the pack-leds? Like, I'm, I'm over the pack-leds at this point. I hope we're not going to get them continually throughout the rest of the season. I guess maybe I'm I feel like, like we're going to get them at least once more. You know, I'm okay with them being, like, potentially the main big bad for lower decks. Like, I think it fits. So, um, I just wish that they would kind of tone down like the dumb, like that's just, that's just becoming tiresome for me. That's the only thing. Okay. I, I, I guess more of a Federation question. Like, so obviously they've, they've definitely stepped up if we're considering all this canon. Um, why would the Federation have allowed them to get this? I mean, I, maybe it's like a prime directive thing. Like, we don't want to interfere, but obviously they're also making it hard for the, in quotations, hard for the Federation at this point. Like, at what point do you step in and, like, not let them do this, do what they're doing? Um, before now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I guess. Like, at the first appearance? <laughs> like, I guess you also have to think about where we are in the timeline right now, because. 
the Dominion War ended not too long ago. We had the Romulan Senate. We had, you know, Star Trek Nemesis, right? And so are we at the point where, like, Picard is, like, building all the ships to, like, go rescue the Romulans? Is that where we are in the timeline? Because maybe Starfleet is just devoting all of their resources to other things, right? And so I guess that would be my thought about why we haven't stepped up and stopped the packlets yet because we're we're concerned with quote more important things so yeah 20, 20 so 2381 is when i just by the way i just opened up the picard book um so yeah 2381 is when picard gets tapped to um be promoted to the uh, four pip admiral um to lead the task of building the fleet and relocating hundreds of millions of Romulans to, okay, um, so, elsewhere. So, so that's we where we are. still dealing with the diplomatic, you know, fallout from the movie Nemesis. Yes, we are. And, and at this point, like, um, so we know, like, at the end of Nemesis, when Riker gets the Titan, he's the one that's supposed to be leading the diplomatic missions and the negotiations and stuff like that with the Romulan Star Empire, who's now willing to talk. So him and like this other task force they're off doing their thing and picard and so that's been like a year and a half two years right and now picard is doing his thing uh with, yeah, the, with but according to lower decks it's Riker who's in charge of like stopping the packlets right now because he's like been engaged with we've mentioned we saw the episode with the, on the Titan earlier this season, they were just engaged with the Packlids, and we've heard continuously. We said, you know, last week the reason why Boimler's clone couldn't go to the big party was because the Titan was still off dealing with the Packlids. Sure, but I'm just wondering, like, because like there, there's like that question mark, like right now in like Star Trek canon of when did I guess it's a question for me, but when did talks break down right like with with Riker and the Romulan Star Empire to the point where the Titan can excuse itself essentially from that mission to go deal with the packlets not that they're going to necessarily be like at a freaking RV park you know camping um, camping at like a dry dock you know um, living there but you know if you're if you're heading up the task force you're going to be in Romulan space all the live long day or a very good, a very large chunk of it, at least. So, I mean, definitely some questions. Definitely some questions in terms of like, when when did things shift, or did or is it? Uh, is there a better explanation in terms of like a writing perspective where it was like, oh, we just forgot, type of thing? Seems a bit more plausible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I don't know. But, but okay. So uh, they think they think Freeman is Janeway, and they're they're like basically saying back and forth like, "Oh, I don't have a big enough helmet for that." Over and over again, and so we we go from like um, like a chieftain or something, or a governor or something, to a queen, to a king, to um, an emperor of the Packleds, 
Like, how does that how does that structure like even work? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, are you assuming that the Pakled planet has a unified government? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I am. I mean, I mean, every time we see a planet in Star Trek, there's one system of government for the entire planet, right? There's one culture, there's one religion, there's one language, which really doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you stop to think about it. But like, maybe there are multiple governments on planet or pack-led planet. Well, they do. They have a queen, a king, an emperor, a rebel alliance. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think it's pretty fragmented, or at least seems like it. Okay. So, I mean, we, we see all that happening, we, and we do see, like, the Emperor get assassinated, essentially, like, sta- literally stabbed in the back, okay? Which kind of almost ends all the stuff on Pakled Planet, and meanwhile we have, like, the spy, the spy humongous, who has gone to the gift shop, got some Cerrito swag. Man. Take it, taking a picture of his foot. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Um, thinking he's using the restroom when he was actually in an airlock and he somehow survives the vacuum of space. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. I, I, can, can, I want to talk about this pack-led spy for a second. So, uh, for, first of all, we think he's a prisoner that escapes and wants asylum, but he's just a ruse. He's a spy. And we figure it out pretty quickly because they're playing up the dumb here. And then they even play up the dumb even more at the end when he's like, you didn't even realize I was a spy. Oh, well, what information did you not give away to me? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll get there. But, like, they're walking down the hall and Ransom and Kayshawn, who... It was like, so good to K- see Kayshawn again, by the way. But, like, Kayshawn was introduced to us as the head of security. But now Shax has come back. So, like... And do we have like two heads of security? What like who? What did um, did he get demoted or something? Like what happened? Well, was Shaq? But was Shaq's like strictly the tactical officer, right? Well, I, mean, I mean, like ta- tactical and head of security, I think are the same thing because Worf was both of those. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have that for Worf, but like, was that the case all the time? I mean, like. I'm probably going to go in the way back machine on this one, but like even with um, Malcolm on Enterprise, like he was the tactical officer um, primarily, right? Uh, but then the Makos came on, and the Makos essentially took on like, like they headed up security. So like yeah. we have like we have an example of like tactical and security being split up, or at least there's a case for for it to be made. I should say. Yeah. I, okay. That wasn't really the the point where I was trying to go with that. But I was trying to say is they're walking down the hallway, Ransom and Kayshawn, and the spy humongous is behind them, Rumdar, and they're like, <laughs> "So, why do you want asylum? Are you are you a prisoner? Are you a political descendant? Is it a sex thing?" Yeah. Like, why? Again, we were so like good about not making a sex joke last week. Why do we have to do that again? It has been zero weeks since the last sex joke. I know. You know, turn back the counter to zero. It was just like, what was the point of that? Eric. Eric. I need you to to turn your blue shirt towards me, okay? 
Okay. There's there's only there's only so much Star Trek we can have in this Star Trek show. Okay. There's only so much. Deep breaths, right? Woosa. Ooh, goose raba. <laughs> Don't worry. You, I mean, later on you can go to the holodeck. You can do some like wharf calisthenics or something. Go get a bat left and go to town. It's fine. Hmm. It's just, it's just like, why did we do this? Why? Like, was that line really necessary to this episode? True story. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's comedy, man. It's not it funny. It's not funny. <laughs> your your reaction to it is though. <laughs> oh, I I agree that I do agree. Like it's it's like time and place type of thing. But like, you know, like we've checked all we like. There has to be like a, like a like a checklist. Like sex joke, check. Um, something exploding, check. Random goo. Check. <laughs> Did something explode this week? I'm sure. I'm sure it did. I'm just. I'm just like. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. Um. Anyway. So like that's. I mean that's essentially it. Um, apart from like we find out that there's some kind of like pack led plan to um, much more sinister than originally believed. Um, like, to, to which Freeman and Shax are now obligated to notify Starfleet about an impending yeah. attack. They're planning a, what was it, a Vitruvian bomb? Mm-hmm. What, have we ever heard of that substance before? Or is that like an alien race? I've, Vitruvia, I Vitruvium? I've never heard didn't, of it. Didn't sound familiar to me. No. If only there was a way that we could look it up. Yeah. But, like, then also, I'm also confused, like, so we had the Packlet Rebels come in and kill the Packlet Emperor, right? But then the Packlet, the new Packlet Rebel who put on, I have a big helmet now, he becomes the new Emperor, and he's like, we fooled you. So, like, who was who was making the plan to fool them? Was it the Rebels? Was was it the, like, I'm I'm confused. Maybe Chase is right. Maybe they are far more intelligent than we give them credit for, and this is all just one big ruse de guerre, and they're they're actually like really planning something incredibly sinister under the guise of just being a bunch of murdering idiots. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, so Veruvian. There we go. Veruvian ore was a type of rock that contained minerals which became volatile when exposed to high-frequency vibrations. A Veruvium explosion could produce an ion cloud that interfered with transporter function. Um, a band of terrorists once attempted to use Veruvian ore to destroy Starbase 58. In what, when? Stand by. Um... Okay, so the only instances where Veruvian 
whatever, uh, Viruvian ore, just Viruvian whatever um, is mentioned. Uh, 2370, Starbase 58 was listed on the Deep Space Nine arrival roster as the point of departure for the USS Gallico. That's the episode Whispers uh, in terms of like production art. And then sometime prior to 2381, the Titan investigated a case where terrorists attempted to use Viruvian ore to blow up the Starbase, which was Star Trek Lower Decks, um, the episode Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. So what was that, like episode two? Yeah. Of this season? Okay. okay. All right, so it's basically something that was made up for this. Right. Lower Decks. Okay. Glad we got that solved. The more you know. All right. Um, so, I mean, that pretty much wraps up, I think, the Freeman stuff, unless I'm missing something here. Nope. Okay. Nah, that's it. Um, <clears throat> so, um, the other stuff, like, we could kind of bounce back and forth with. Um, basically, Tendi, um, Tendi and the other lower deckers get, uh, get their, their duty assigned to them to get all this, like, cleanup going on. Like, with, um... Um, anomaly day, right? Like cleaning up all like the senior officers um, collected research and it can't be put in the pattern buffer. It can't be um, deconstructed. It has to be sent off to a special facility, which that's fine. And whatever has to be done with it. But Mariner's like, great, we have to work. I just hate it when my day is ruined by work type of thing. Why are you in Starfleet, lady? Anyway, by the way, have y'all seen the video like the theory that Mariner was actually on the Enterprise? No. As like a little girl? Okay, there's um there's a video that I came across. Um and it's like this little this little girl um who has like her hair just like um like Mariner, right? Um and like that's like the theory that they are they're the same person and that's how Riker knows Mariner type of thing. And I'm like trying to do the math in my head, like with how young she looks and like how far in the ranks like Mariner has ascended. Like it just doesn't add up. But I'll I'll try and find that video and I hope I don't forget this and post it in the group and you can talk about that if you want to. Or, but anyways. Um so yeah, they're they're on cleanup duty. Big old random rocks just lying around in Ransom's room. Um like random flowers and goop and blah blah blah. Uh, Rutherford blows up into the incredible bulk, and um, some random ketchup is what makes him. You know, red red stuff, ketchup, whatever makes him shrink back. I mean, there should be like some stickers or something like this will make you get big. This will make you turn into a scorpion. Yeah. I- like, this storyline is very hard to believe that all of this random junk would just be, like, they would just allow them to keep this stuff. You know, especially we know how careful Starfleet is with their science experiments. I mean, yes, lots of episodes are science experiments gone awry, but I find it hard to believe that the, the senior officers have just collected so much stuff and it's just in their quarters that every year we have to have cleanup day. Yeah, like why? Where's where's the science division? Like where where are the blue shirts? Like you know, besides us, where are the blue shirts that are are playing with these rocks and like testing it and doing stuff with? Because like that should be right up their alley. Or depending on like what the stuff is, like why isn't like 
our respective division actually investigating and studying this stuff? That's my question. That's the question I mean, of the maybe day. It's already been studied and they they don't need the actual specimen anymore. They've done all their you know, you can you can here's the thing. Okay, now we've collected our evidence, now we can just go do stuff in a lab without the actual thing. Are you hold on, are you saying that there's been like some kind of like replicated matter or something or another so they can just create it like in a vacuum so it can be studied safely? Is that what you're saying? No, no, but like like if you think of all I'm thinking of just like all your forensic shows. You can like okay, here's the item, we can photograph it, we can scan it, we can fingerprint it, we can take swabs of it, and then we seal it up in a bag and put it in storage, and then we go back to our lab with all the samples. I don't know. That's what I that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I just got to the point point in um Law and Order SVU where they've started like incorporating the camera that can scan the room and create like the 3D models of like the crime scene. I'm like, ooh, people are investing in this show now. How about that? I'm on season 12, by the way. I got a long way to go still. <laughs> you got like 10 more seasons to go. Yeah, I think they're about to start airing, what, season 23 or season 24 on NBC? It's crazy. They're a long ways into that show. Yeah, just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. So anyway, back to reality here. <laughs> Don't you guys just want like a, a slug monster that can eat you and poop you out in your room? Oh. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, and and um, <laughs> the the little canister of nanites that got knocked over that was a reference to a, a Next Generation episode, wasn't it? Hold on, I watched this episode twice. How did I miss nanites getting tipped over both times? There was like a little jar of like blue nanites that got knocked yeah, over. That and, Mariner's and, and hand. Ruth, yeah, her her hand turned oh blue. Oh my goodness! Oh, and that's so what that was. was? Like, okay, right, I, I didn't so, make the connection. So um, Rutherford was like, man, Billups can calibrate a warp core, but he can't screw on a lid. <laughs> right? And then I think it was a reference to that, that Next Generation episode, season yeah. three premiere called Evolution. So, how, about the, how about that flower that put a bunch of thorns in Mariner's face? Was that... Um, I, I I thought about the the Riker episode where he he got the one little thorn. I think that was something different though, where he it was a flashback episode basically. Oh oh yeah, where the season two or no finale, the season two finale, the worst episode of the show. I, I think that called. was I think that was like a thorn though. But now I'm thinking back, what there was I, I'm I'm not remembering, but I do remember there was some flower with like. Spiny. That might have been like a like an original series episode, though. It might have been. Yeah. Anyway, there was a flower that shot thorns in it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, these things are just all over the ship. You know, Starfleet's dangerous. All of these dangerous things just unprotected, laying around the ship. Like, yeah. In your room, where you sleep. Right. Where you sleep. Yeah. Like, why isn't it eaten by a slug in the middle of the night? Why isn't there like a level one quarantine field? We need a level one quarantine field, people. I'm just saying. I'm just. I saying. mean, it's funny, right? It's funny when you have to stick a hyperspray in a magma slug's butt, right? That's funny, Eric. Did that funny? Sure. Eric, I know you don't play video games, but David, you play. Um, you played Legend of Zelda, right? Yeah. Did the did that 
like fireball slime thing remind you of like a fire chew from Legend of Zelda? Because that's what that's all I could think about. Huh. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I can see that. Anyway, good talk, everyone. Good talk. Yeah, and then how about this cube that turns you into like a giant scorpion type mm-hmm. thing? Well, I don't know what that was, but like, and then we have to like be silly to to talk her down. Ah, I was it was weird. Let's dump cake on my face and spill beans on me. Yeah, like the it was like a mood shifting cube or something like that. Is what oh, Boyma oh, called no. it. Let's talk about talk about spilling boons, beans, spilling boons, spilling beans. Let's right? talk about um, spilling boons. <laughs> so like, because of because of COVID right now, sixth, seventh, eighth graders they eat lunch at the same time, but like we have to like we can't. There's not enough space in like the cafeteria room, which is just the gym, right? It's the MPR, the multi-purpose room. So like one one grade eats outside, one grade eats in the the cafeteria one great eats in their classrooms and it like rotates every day and so like on lunch duty one day i was up in the classrooms and the eighth graders were there and part of the lunch that they could get from the school had like a thing of beans in it and nobody wanted to eat them because they were all like these are really gross which i imagine school lunch beans are probably not very good (laughs) but like they like peeled one open they like peeled it off peeled off like you know the plastic covering Mm. right Mm. and one of them was like man these are bad and got up and was gonna like basketball shoot the open thing of beans into the trash (laughs) (laughs) and like and so he like did a basketball shot this thing and another student not paying attention like literally walked right by at the exact moment and got beamed like right in the right <laughs> in the front of his shirt. I literally saw this happen right in front of him. It was like What just happened? And the kid comes over and he goes, uh, Mr. Christopherson, I just got beamed. I was like, I know, I saw it happen. And then I talked to the other kid, I was like why did you try to throw an open thing of beans into the trash, basketball style? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> Goodness. Sounds like kids. That sounds about sounds right. Like eighth, eighth, sounds like eighth graders. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like, uh, Mr. Christopherson, I just got beaned. Can I go to the bathroom and clean up? Yes! Go! <laughs> Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was my bean story. Goodness. Goodness. Well, I guess that brings us to like the whole dovetail, the A and a half slash B story with uh with the red shirts. Great you know, name, right? Great yeah, name. Makes you feel like kind of invincible or whatever. Yeah, Love it. Never definitely. heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> definitely gonna make it through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so um so what y'all think of, of of this whole like red shirt thing like we're helping people get promoted type of thing and uh because just because boimler was briefly a lieutenant jg on the titan he's somehow automatically qualified to be like this group leader of sorts because the last one got promoted off ship or something like that 
Yeah, so I, in, in theory, I like the idea of a group of, you know, basically military officers working together to better themselves so they can get promoted. I like that, I, that idea, but obviously we see here in practice it, it is a pretty terrible idea what they're doing. Well, they're, they're just trying to give speeches. I mean, like right. when, when Tendy's going all Scorpion King on everybody, trying to murder them. Uh, the, one of them comes forward and, uh, oh, they're giving a speech. And everybody's like, oh, oh, a speech. And then the other one, same speech. other one, same <laughs> speech. You know, it, it, it does, however, kind of run a bit, at least I feel like it runs a bit contrary to some of the things we've seen in the past. Because, like, we had... Lower Decks episode in in Next Gen. And while everybody does want to work like cumulatively and together and all that good sort of stuff, everybody also is out for that promotion. They're not necessarily trying to like be like a, a stepladder for everybody else. It's like, if, if I get promoted, we all get promoted. You get a promotion and you get a promotion. But um, it, it just felt a little bit more competitive at that point. But now we just see all these folks that are apparently not working uh giving speeches uh sitting backwards in chairs and um you know not really being able to handle situations so like what's the good in it aside from like kind of a, a haha funny thing for lower decks mm-hmm. but in yeah, the end I, I, have a, I have a question yeah so like Okay, we have we have work to do. I have duties to do, and the, and the one guy's like, "Don't worry, I'll pull some strings to get you out of that, so you don't have to do that." What strings can you pull to get out of work? Like, who are you? You're just a low, another lower deck ensign. What? I was thinking the same thing. Like, how are you really gonna do this? You're not, right? I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, this was, like, a couple hours. So, like, yeah, you might have gotten out of work for a couple hours, but, like, that's it. Like, you go, to the, you go to the holodeck or you go to wherever you went to, and then you go to the mess hall. And, like, and you're walking in a corridor between the two scenes, and that's, that's about do you, it. Do you think there's really a tailor shop on the... On, do you think Garrick has franchised himself <laughs> out, and there's, like, a tailor shop on... Starfleet vessels, because we know there's a barber shop. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense for there to be a tailor shop. I mean, you can just replicate your own uniform. Like, yeah, but I mean, I mean, can you say, can you say, replicator? I need a uniform, uh, 42, 42 short jacket, thirty six, thirty pants. Can you do that? Probably. Specify extra shoulder, Spe pa extra shoulder extra pads, extra shoulder pads, peck, yeah. peck pad, yeah. Peck muscles, Specify peck inches yeah. or centimeters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I if mean, you can do that, why do you need a tailor shop on D Space Nine? Because the the plot demands it, Eric. <laughs> yeah, because that <laughs> way we can have our super secret conversation, and have Garrick walk in and be like. Come bring your sewing measuring kit, and we'll just talk about this secret, super secret mission, and you can just overhear it while you're measuring me. I don't know. Okay, like, so I'm gonna try and like make this kind of serious for a second. Like, but like with with like Garrick, for example. Like, what if what if um, like having a Garrick 
is is like a status kind of thing compared to just having like an off the rack kind of thing such as you know like a replicated shirt uniform boots whatever but do we care well, do we care about those things when we're humans I think in the 20th century I think people century? would I I, th- I think people would it, it's it's um it's a similar thing like I mean this is like a really niche analogy but like because I play guitar and have played guitar progressively over the years um and back when I started kind of like actually playing in bands a lot of uh, pedal manufacturers went out of business because the digital pedals came through from Japan and everything and just wiped the market because they were cheap, they were well built, and they sounded good. But nowadays, everybody's paying two, three, four hundred dollars for analog point to point connection pedals because they think it sounds better. It probably doesn't, but people will pay the premium for those despite the fact that really there's not much that goes into them. You might just have like a small builder doing, but people pay that aside from paying much cheaper prices for digital pedals that really side by side are about the same nowadays because technology advances. But I mean like clothing, that's the same. I mean, my God, even in today's uh, sort of landscape of clothing, not that I know too much about fashion, but People pay astronomical amounts for like handmade garbage. I mean, what was the the one representative in her thirty thousand dollar dress at the Met Gala? You know what I mean? No politics, but I'm just saying like that sort of thing does cost a premium. It's like, was it awesome? I, I mean, I don't know, and I can't judge a dress. But at the same token, I think even in in this era, um, you could have put latinum in anything. You chose gold. That's worthless basically, but it looks good. Um, in Garrick's tailor shop, you're getting artistry, essentially, in quotations. Like, this is something original to this person, and if that were, like, famous or whatever, I think you could probably get away with that. But you're right. I mean, from a utilitarian purpose, I mean, your normal clothes could be anything from the replicator, off the rack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes people like to have something special that's uniquely their own, and if they can get a one-of-one one piece, you know, boom, there you go. You know, and, and like maybe to add to that too, like maybe, like, um, I mean, like you know what we're doing right here, you know, like with with podcasting in general, like regardless of how like serious it is, like whether you're you know this is like a an actual source of income for someone or it's like a hobby type of thing. Um, the what was it? The the person that was like, yeah, I'm gonna make you look real good or whatever. Perhaps like it was a hobby of hers, just to just to tweak uniforms, you know, like. Maybe she's like, I got some extra stuff that I've replicated. Let me, like, let me put some fusible interfacing in here. Let me add a shoulder pad here and there, and and you know we'll make this like a one of a kind kind of thing for you. I don't know. Like, we're we're going down a rabbit hole with this, but like, I mean, certainly some stuff to consider. Whether it's a Garrick, whether it's a a hobby thing or whatever. Um, I don't know, but I do think that. Boimler really had a chance to shine in the mess hall, like regardless of how silly it was. Um, like he recognized a situation, um, like some kind of mood shifting cube stone thing that impacted his friend. And while like these other red shirts are making all these speeches, he's getting bowls of beans and cakes and random like projectile food like spewing out of the replicator. 
to try and fix the situation, to try and save the situation, not fix it, save the situation for Tendi so that she can, can come back to normal. So, yeah, and it was it was good to see it was it was a Boimler that saved the day and not Mariner. Mm-hmm. Ma- Mariner really wasn't wasn't much in this episode. I mean, she was there, but not she like she was there, there, but she was just there to like scowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true story. That's good. I mean, I mean, I'm I would like not that I I would like to see less of Mariner saving the day. Yeah. I understand. So, um, I mean, has that is that it? I mean, apart from like you know, Ensign Casey volunteers and kind of chastises um, Boimler for not being a leader, not being um, acting captain worthy, and you know, Boimler kind of dressing him down like, "Look, being a captain's not about just making speeches. Like that's my friend." And I, I was like, "Dude, we are the crew." <laughs> That's my friend type of thing. And, um, you know, like, we are Starfleet. They serve Starfleet or they work for Starfleet. Like, I can't help That's it. That's the wrong attitude to have. That is a... Everyone h- works for Starfleet. Right. And I and when I, when I heard that, I was like, you know, I can't help but think that there are probably some command division people out there that probably think that way. You know, like, no matter how utopian this future might be, you know, like we're we're all still human. We all have our flaws. Like, doesn't matter how far flung we get into the future, there's still going to be imperfections. And there are people who are gonna have like that arrogant, prideful view of their work. And um I, I mean I in a way I like the fact that they kinda said that. Um, even though like that's not the attitude you want to have in Starfleet by any means. So and then of course Ensign Casey got to be in the center seat because he he volunteered like yeah i don't care ransom's like i don't care well he he, he nominated himself yeah <laughs> yeah he got to sit in it for what half a second yeah and then shack's like get up let's go new shift <laughs> oh lordy 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 well let's um let's move into to the rating unless you guys have any other burning stuff that y'all need to to talk about with the episode Nope. Nope. Okay. So I'll, I'll lead the charge on this one in terms of like the Delta. I do 100% think that there's some command stuff in here. So I think that's probably like the main thing. Um, science, I mean, it's it's only like an honorable mention kind of science Delta just because of like the anomaly stuff. But like, I don't, I'm not really too sure about that or even the engineering stuff. I think command is the one that shines the most in this episode. No, I definitely think there's command. I even think there's command coming from Captain Freeman down on Packlet Planet and then definitely from Boimler as well, right? Like telling these people who think they're command material that they're really not and being in command means you don't just inspire people you just don't talk but you have to actually go like we are the crew we have to go do something and he takes charge and does it so i definitely will give you know your full command but the others yeah no yeah i agree on the command i i don't know i mean like as far as the science goes though at the very least the the problems that they encountered with the items they were largely able to counteract 
So, I mean, the red stuff would have had to have been some sciencey thing, right? I mean, you got some biology with the pooping slug, right? I mean, that's basic biology 101. Uh, it, it's very, it's very loose, but at least they had some way to counteract some of the negative effects. So that would have been through discovery, learning, potentially science. So I think, you know, you give it a half, you know, a nice little half of Delta. Yeah, okay. but did they lose a half for just the science division just leaving all that stuff like, <laughs> <laughs> sitting around? Do we get some yeah. negative points yeah. here? I give, give him about an eighth of a Delta, you know, just to be kind. <laughs> There's at least some, something there. Maybe not completely, but a little bit of something. Okay, fair enough. Um, and I and I think that's kind of like what I was kind of getting at with um, with what I was saying about like science. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of there, um, yeah. just like with the crystals, the goop, and everything. And then, anyway, yeah. So like, I'm that was that was the same train of thought for the most part. Now, with rating this thing, um, instead of me going last, I'll I'll go ahead and lead the charge on this too. So. Um, anyways, we just did the Delta rating, which is where, um, again, if this is your first time listening, where we kind of assess like the different divisions of, of um, Starfleet service in terms of like how it maybe shows up in the episode. So like command division, which was like leadership type stuff, science, obviously science, and then engineering, logi- like logistics, like do we have like techno babble? Do we have like technological stuff that kind of helps fix the things or helps overcome the things, which I guess maybe another honorable mention with like the replicator, with replicating all the base protein stuff. Um, now moving on to like actual number ratings, we're gonna do one through 10, one being a dumpster fire, 10 being um, Gene Roddenberry himself would, uh, would be proud of it. Um, so for, for last week, I gave um, an embarrassment of duplers, I think it was like a seven, nine, and eight type of thing, which um, had been my, my favorite episode so far in the season this is not um going to go past that threshold that i gave it last week but at the same time i didn't mind this episode so it's not this isn't like a seven nine this isn't a seven or or, or an eight this is probably like I'd say it's pretty average. Like I'm, I'm kind of camping out somewhere in like the seven two, seven three kind of range for this episode for me. Um, I thought there were good parts. I think there could have been a lot more. Just like any episode, right? There could have, there could have been a lot more development. Um, but um, just like the dumbing down of like the pack leads, I'm just, that's just kind of getting tiresome at this point. And I know they're probably just doing that just because that's, it's lower decks. Um, Anyway, so uh, if there would have been more in terms of like science and technology, this would have been a lot higher. But for right now, I'm just sticking with like that 7.2. I'll do a 7.25 just to go between two and three. How about that? So seven and a quarter. So Eric, what do you got, bud? Well, I I didn't hate this episode. I didn't love it. Um, I will say I came home. I don't normally get to watch these episodes on Thursdays. Um, but I did come home on Thursday and I, you know, I made dinner and I ate dinner and then I sat down to watch it around seven o'clock and I fell asleep watching this episode the first time. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement of this episode that I, it's only 24 minutes, 
but it managed to make me fall asleep. I don't know if it was a particularly tough day in car line or what. But, um... <laughs> I, yeah, it's, 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 very, it's a very average episode. I think it's an episode that you're not going to remember a lot of it a year from now. It's one of those episodes when we talk about season three, we're like, wait, what? There was what? Which episode was that? I think that this is what we're gonna do. So I, it's like a six, seven, five, maybe for me. Okay. David. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little bit better episode than a lot of the ones we've talked about. Uh, not the best episode, but um, I don't know. I, I I found it I found it you know mildly enjoyable. I I can't really go super duper high on it just because it was. You know, I think I think to Eric's point is, you know, will you remember this this one? Probably not. Um, so I'm I'm gonna just give it a nice healthy six point nine <laughs> for the sex joke. <laughs> and that, my friends, is how you make it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> David, one more time. What was what was your rating? I, I missed it. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't miss it at all. <laughs> no, I mean seriously. Like it, it, See, it's a now six what nine. you just it, did it's, there. It's what, not... you, what you just did there is funny though, right? <laughs> what the show is doing is not funny. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I, I mean I think I think a six nine is good. I can't. I, I I'm just not feeling the sevens, but. I don't. I don't want to be real, real harsh on it because it was. It was okay, but a six nine is, is where I'm okay. at. Okay, so um, Eric, I know this is like where you, where you live basically, but um, IMDb has an average rating of seven point nine on this episode. Yeah, all of the episodes this wow. season are. I have pretty decent ratings, right around the, like the upper sevens to the eight range. But I think they've only got like a hundred ratings. They're not like you know. By this time in Discovery, there was already like thousands of ratings. And so these ones only are only like a hundred or two hundred. Yeah. Man. Okay, so check this out. So uh, the season two premiere, Strange Energies, seven point two. Kayshawn, his eyes open, will always have Tom Paris, seven point nine. The Mugato Gamato, seven point six, an embarrassment of duplers, and the spy humongous, seven point nines. Yeah, so wow. four of the six episodes are rated 7.9. The lowest episode is a 7.2. Mm-hmm. Paramount, Paramount's got some good bots. <laughs> I mean, what? But what? like I said, it, like this episode, it only has 239 ratings. Oh, Lordy. All right. Well, there we go, gang. That's it. We uh, we made it through another another episode review of this. I feel like this has been a longer review, mainly because of our rambles, but it's fine. Yeah, we it was a particularly it's long like a ramble half hour. at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyways, we'll be back next time. Um, fingers crossed um, to do more discussion. Um, I'm not too sure how um, the release for um, the next two will be, just because like there's like some traveling. And stuff that um, I'm going to be doing uh, the next two weeks uh, with my family, so it might impact um, like when it drops, like by like a day or two, just depending 
Um, so just keep that in mind for um, as we go into like the um, episode seven and eight review of it, and uh, that might also impact um, the season finale too. But uh, we'll worry about that later on. Um, guys, thanks, thanks for for joining me in 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 the rambles. Loved it. Um, Thank you, Chase. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. A little sign language for you, Eric. <clears throat> um, all right, so um, we'll be back uh, next time. But um, in the meantime, uh, please use um, use your words either with your fingers or w- with your mouth to let us know how we're doing. You can get in contact with us um, checking out our hailing frequency section on uh, trtvpod.com. Leave us a comment um, about the episode. Give us a show idea um, or anything else in between. You can also um, check out how to uh, support the show, uh, among which is um, by following us and interacting with us on all the socials at TRTV Pod. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also financially support the show um, on Patreon.com. Um, all links on our website. If you do want to just send us an email directly, it's trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of this year's podcast. Um, so, yeah, let's let's not blow up the tiny little Cerritos model ship. I don't want to do that um, by taking too long, which is five seconds, by the way, not three minutes. Um, other than that, um, if you do want to send us something, you can do that. Um, you know, like a big helmet. If you want to send us a big hel- helmet to the helmet, you want to send us a big helmet to uh, Lone Star Station, make sure it gets here. P.O. Box 2455 Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. And as we leave here today, may you always, always remember to boldly go and make it so. Mm-hmm.